So the title of today's message is Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, some snickering. Yes, some of you, if not many of you, may have heard about that same title as a book. I think Jane Austen was an author who wrote a book by that same title. And if you're like me, you watch the movie instead. Um, I wasn't forced by my wife, no. I kind of like those movies sometimes. Um, But it's a story of basically a young woman. I think her name was Elizabeth, or she went by Lizzie Bennett. And she, she got her pride hurt. Yeah, in, in the story. And also made a lot of mistakes in making prejudgments against other people. But through that process, she learned some very important and valuable lessons about pride and prejudice. Do you know what prejudice means? Prejudice simply means that we make judgments about somebody else before we even get to know them. Yeah, that's what prejudice is. And this morning, by God's grace... We're also going to learn some very important lessons from God's Word through the book of James of what to do when we have pride in our hearts and we have judgment in our hearts. So let's take a look at the sermon series Bible quotes in your booklet so you can open up to that page and fill in the key words there. It says this, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. This comes from James chapter 1 verse 22. So one of the main reasons that you have a teacher like me up here teaching or you have a lesson on a Sunday where we have church service is not only to come and listen to what God is telling us, but to go immediately and put it into practice, to go and do what God is showing us and telling us to do. Why is that? Well, that's the only way we can actually live in truth. Who wants to live in truth? I want to live in truth. Well, if you want to live in truth, you have to simply just do what God is telling us to do. If we don't do what God is telling us to do, what happens is that we live in a lie. Why? Because God's the only one who knows what the truth is. And so when we don't do what he says, then we don't live in truth. But when we do what he says, we live in truth. And Jesus said, and the truth shall set you free. And today, God wants to set us free, I believe, from pride. Pride. And if you've never had pride in your heart, then you can go ahead and not listen to this message. But if you're like me, I think this is going to be very important for us to hear from what God's Word says. In chapter 4 of the book of James, God is going to help us see that there's two ways pride shows itself in our lives. And so the first point is going to help us with how pride shows itself up first. So point number one, if you open that to your booklet there, is pride criticizes and judges. That's what pride does. So criticize, let's talk about that word. To criticize means to point. Do you like when somebody points at you? Yeah? You you like it when somebody's pointing at you? (laughs) Well, even worse, even if you like if somebody points at you, it's pointing out everything that's maybe not so good about you like faults and flaws, right? And it's, that's what it means to criticize. But it, it's doing it in a way that's very unloving. It, it's actually the way we create separation and division between us. It, it makes the person feel like they're not approved of. 
um, and they're, they're rejected, right? And we don't like that. None of us like to feel rejected. Instead of actually communicating truth in a way that's, that's loving and keeps that person connected to me, and he keeps it con- connected to God, right? That's what we want, but criticism doesn't do that. To judge is also very similar to criticism, but it means also to place yourself above somebody else. Like a judge would saying to a criminal, you're, you're guilty and you're wrong, right? And unlike a godly judge, pride, when it judges, it, it doesn't seek to understand at all. It doesn't care about understanding. All it cares about is being right and showing itself to be right. So it's done, again, from a place that's very unloving and that's disapproving and separating in relationship with one another and, I believe, even with God. That's why, if you look at James chapter 4, beginning in verse 11, this is what it says. Don't speak evil against each other. Okay? Dear brothers and sisters, if you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. So, one way that pride shows itself is through criticizing and judging one another. So, which is, here, listen to this. When we do that, it's actually speaking evil. We're actually speaking evil against each other. It's not from God. Okay? It doesn't come from God. So, this is not only when we do it directly at somebody. This is also when we do it when somebody's not there in the room. Yeah? I was ha- having a conversation with my friend Jamie, and she was sharing with me something that she heard a word of wisdom about, about criticism and perhaps gossip, and saying that if, if you're wondering whether you're gossiping or, or criticizing somebody, then ask yourself, would, would I say this if this person was here? right? Would, would I be saying this if this person would be here with me? And if, if you wouldn't, then let's not, let's not talk about those kinds of things, right? Even if you're not thinking about it. So criticism is not only just towards somebody directly to you. It's also what we say about somebody when they're not there. And we're not to do that. So here's a very big truth that James is helping us understand. Listen to this. If we criticize and judge each other, then we are criticizing and judging God's law. Wow. God's law. So here's a quick quiz. I've got a quiz question for everyone. What are the two commands that summarize all of God's law? Do you know? Love God. Yeah, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So those two simple but very great commands summarize all of God's law. You know how many laws there were in the Old Testament? There were over uh, 630 laws, something around that. That's a lot. So I'd rather just remember two. <laughs> but that is what Jesus said is the whole of God's law. So when we criticize and judge each other, God is saying that we are putting ourselves above his good and perfect law. Would you like to say something? <laughs> You're listening. My daughter always listens to me so well when I'm teaching. 
or maybe the first time. So when we are criticizing and judging each other, we're actually criticizing and judging God's law and saying that God's law is, has some faults, has some flaws, and that it's not so good. Ugh, that it's not so good. At least it's not so good for me. <laughs> it's not good enough for me to actually do something and, and obey. That's what we're saying. That's, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I'm saying, ouch, ugh. Yeah, but that's in a sense what we do. It's like the Israelites in Nehemiah 9.16 in your verses there. It says that the Israelites were proud and stubborn, and they paid no attention to God's commands. And that's what pride does. It makes us stubborn and then have no interest in actually obeying God. So pride only puts us above other people in judgment and all even, listen to this, even puts us above God. Okay, that's what pride does. Listen to Isaiah 14. Okay, Isaiah 14, verse 13 through 14. It says in verse 13, You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God, and I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north, and I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Do you know who said this? Do you know who had this in their heart? Do you know who this is talking about? This is talking about Satan. Did you know that Satan used to be an angel? He was created. He was a created being, and he was one of the angels in heaven. But then he decided that he wanted to be like the Most High and to rule above God just like he did, to rule above creation just like he did. And and from that, because of that, Satan was thrown down from heaven and into hell. And this is where pride comes from. This is where we see the origin of pride. Do you see why this is speaking evil against each other? Because it's not from God. Pride always puts us above not only other people, but above God as well. And that's what judgment does. You know, judgment, we we talk, in this world we talk a lot about judgment and not judging people. But let me help you understand what judgment does and why it's so important. Because God is the only judge. Remember this. God is the only judge. When we take God's place, it's a lot of trouble. Okay? So when we take the place of God as being the judge, we get in trouble. Here's how that happens, for example. So I've heard a story about a mom. We have a lot of moms here. You moms ever get tired? (laughs) Yeah. Dads get tired, but I think moms get way, 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 way more tired, you know, taking care of their kids. And this mom was also sick. And so she said to her daughter, and she was about, what, six, seven years old, and said, Mommy's really tired, and Mommy's a little sick, so is it okay if you go play quietly while Mommy takes a, just a little nap, and so I can just get rest, and I'll feel a lot better? And her daughter said, Yeah, yeah, of course, Mommy. I'll be really good. I'll be really good. And said, Thank you so much, honey. Thank you. And so she goes and takes a short nap. And then she wakes up, and all of a sudden, she, she notices something really different about the house. It's really messy. <laughs> <laughs> there are drawers open, papers out, crayons, glue, stickers, everything and everywhere. And you know what she's thinking to herself? She's saying, 
<sighs> she's feeling really disappointed. I just wanted my child, my daughter, to just do one simple thing. And she doesn't even care about me. To just be able to just be quiet and still and, and, and just be good. And so that disappointment's getting to become anger. Yeah? And so she is finding, she's calling out to her daughter saying, where are you? And she's going to go and tell her daughter how it is. Yeah? And as she goes in, she finds her daughter cutting up paper with stickers, and she turns around, the daughter turns around with a big smile on her face and says, Mommy, 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 I made you a get well card. Yeah. I knew you were so sick and tired that I wanted you to feel good, so I made you a card. Do you think mom was angry at that point? <laughs> no. She, she, she was probably not very angry at that point. But you see how that judgment about what she thought about her daughter made her feel angry, even though it was not true. Do you understand that? But when we see what's true, <laughs> it changes our mood and everything about us just like that. Here's what happens when we are the judge, when only God should be the judge. God is the only one who can see clearly everything. So when we try to take the position of a judge, we can't see clearly. We cannot see clearly at all. It's like putting Hannah Ray, my daughter, in charge of our house. That would be, she would love it, <laughs> but it would not go well for all of us. But that's what it would be to put myself above God's law and say, here, I'm not happy how you put things into order, so I'm going to do that. Well, things will turn out to be an absolute mess, okay? And so how do we not judge one another? Especially when we get frustrated and angry and somebody did something very wrong to us. So we think. So we think. So how do we not judge each other? You want to hear a practical tip? I don't, this is free, so you don't have to pray, pay me. Free here. So what we do is that you don't talk to the other person with judgment. <laughs> Meaning you don't talk to them in the way that you are, you are believing about how they are feeling and what they are doing to you. But don't we do that all the time? So, for example, if Kevin, Kevin's never done this to me, but Kevin and we were talking, and, 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 and I, he would keep interrupting me, and I would say, Kevin, wow, you, never mind. You don't care about what I have to say anyways. And I walk away because that's what I'm believing. If he is interrupting or saying something, I'm thinking to myself, he doesn't care about what I have to say. So then I say to him, I'm, I'm going to stop talking. You don't care about what I have to say anyways. That's a judgment. He may really care about what I have to say. But he's just talking. In his family, maybe, you just keep talking and talking. We just talk back and forth. Yeah? Is that right? No? <laughs> In my family, we just wait our turns. Yeah? But I think because he is continuing to talk at the same time I'm talking, that I think he doesn't care about what I'm saying. That's a judgment. That's a judgment. So instead, instead of judgment, we look at the facts. And you can talk about you. Don't talk about what the other person is thinking and feeling and doing. Talk about what you're feeling and thinking and doing. Okay? So, for example, I can say, Kevin, just one second. When, when um, you speak at the same time I speak many times, sometimes I feel like maybe you don't, you're not wanting to hear what I have to say. And that Kevin says, because all I'm saying is that it's not a judgment on what he is saying and doing. I'm just pointing out what is happening. There's a difference in pointing out what is happening versus what you think the other person is thinking. 
And you believe what the other person is feeling. Do you see the difference there? And then Kevin can say, oh, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that, right? And I don't have to. And I can just tell them exactly how I might be feeling, not saying that's true, but then we can actually work through a potential conflict in that. Do you see how that's a, that's a different way of then judging one another in those ways? So that is not something God has us do, but if we can learn and put into practice to not judge what your wife or your husband or your kids are thinking and doing, why are you so disrespectful to me, right? Well, we can say when, when, you, when mommy and daddy tell you to do something three times and you don't do it, sometimes it feels like you, you don't really want to listen to what we say. Is that true? You can talk about it in a very factual way. It doesn't mean we don't talk about issues. We just talk about it without judging each other. Want to stand next to me? Want to stand with me? Okay. So point number two is that we must be doers of God's word and not judges of it. Okay? So here's the thing. When we do what God is telling us to do, then we actually prevent and protect ourselves from being judges of God's word. Why is that? Well, when we... When we don't do God's word, when we pick and choose what we think God wants us to do, then we are actually putting ourselves as a judge. But when we simply just do what he's telling us, then we are not judges over it. We're doers of God's word, okay? So James continues by saying in the second part of verse 11, but your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. And what right do you have to judge your neighbor? So our job is to simply obey what God tells us to do and say. I love integrate. (laughs) We get to watch each other, can't we? And see each other, how we're dealing with real life. This is real life here. (laughs) You know? Um... Yeah, this is, this is not about kind of presenting, and this is now about, church is not about coming and presenting ourselves in the best way possible. It's seeing and seeing God and, the, and our life, Jesus in us, loving one another in, in the real life, and in and, and that way. And then when we get to see that, you know, God shows up, and he speaks to us, and he does marvelous and miraculous things. So this is why I love what God's vision for integrate for us as, as a church family is that we get, to, we get to take God's word and do it in a real way, not just listen, but really see it in real life happening. Praise him. So what should we do? You know, what, what should we do when we are coming into a place of, of maybe judging and criticizing other people? Um, well, we have to then take what Mark 1231 is saying, which is the second commandment. We just talked about it. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these, okay? We love one another. When you find yourself criticizing and maybe having judgment in your heart, what do we do? What does the Word of God say? Well, love that person. Love that person. It's a big word. Love them, yeah? And and so how do we do that? Well, think about how you want to be loved, how you want to be treated. If you were doing the same thing, how would you want to be loved and treated? 
Yeah? And then go and love and treat the, same, the person the same way. Do you guys remember? Thank you. Do you remember when Jesus was eating his last meal? You know, sometimes we think we have our last meal because we got so hungry. But Jesus actually had a last meal with his disciples. And it was the, it was the night before Judas was going to betray him. And right after this meal, Jesus was going to actually suffer and, and die on the oh, cross. It was a very, very hello. painful thing that Jesus was having to think about. But in that moment, in John chapter 3, you don't have this in your notes, but in John chapter 3, if you want to read it, at that moment, it says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power into his hands, and that he was from God, and that he was returning to God. And then do you know what he did when he realized that? He got up from his meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist, and he started to wash his disciples' feet. So listen to this. Jesus, at that moment, knew that he was from God, he was going to God, and that his Father gave all power into his hands. All power into his hands. And at that moment, he loved his disciples by washing their feet. So when the Bible tells us to love your neighbor as you love yourself, Jesus shows this in a very beautiful way. Jesus knew his value. Jesus knew he came from God. Jesus knew he was God. He was returning to God, that he was loved, and that he had all things under his power and his, in his hands. And he loved his disciples with the same weight, if not more, of his own value, of his own worth that was established by God. Did you know that you can't love people if you don't have love inside of you? You just can't. If you want to try really hard, you can try, but you will fail. But Jesus knew how loved he was. We saw saying today, good, good father. <laughs> who we are is we are God's beloved. And when Jesus knew who he was, at that moment he was to, able to love and his disciples in a way that was the same value and worth that he was. And that was established by God. In Philippians 2, 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Value others above yourselves. Don't value yourself above other people. That's pride. Do you hear that? Value others above yourself. Which doesn't mean that you don't have value. No, it means... It means that you know your value. It means that you come to knowing the value that's been established by what God has said, which is extraordinary. He says you are his righteousness. He says you are his child. The Bible says and, uh, that, that he has so many thoughts towards you that are precious. Yeah? So his value of you, and when we know it, then we're able to love others with that same value, if not more. That's what it means to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. You know, 
let me, let me say this. Those people who are actually maybe have a lot of pride in their heart is actually because they have a lot of um, fears and insecurities in their hearts. Those people who criticize others a lot, they're, they're the people who are doing that actually criticize themselves the most. Does that make sense? What is it, what is, what's the Bible word for that? It's condemnation. They, we, there's people, when you live in condemnation of yourself and you don't know God's value that he's established in you through Jesus Christ, that you criticize yourself the most, and that whatever is inside of you, the, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah? So if you think that it's noble to condemn yourself or criticize you a lot, it's not biblical. It's not the way God has established it. He wants you to know who you are. Do you ever see in the Bible Jesus walking around saying, oh, no, I'm just a whore. I'm, just, I'm, I'm actually a really, really a low, low, low God. No, God's really God. I'm, I'm a tiny kind. I'm not, I, I'm, not that, I'm not really that good. I'm trying really hard, but I just don't. I'm not really doing my best. Do you ever see Jesus doing that? That's not humbleness. That's not humility. Humility simply know how great God is and seeing his worth and then being so thankful of how he has given that to you without you ever deserving it. Yeah? And when we're able to do that, when we have his love that's full in us, we're able to love one another, even if we get hurt. Even if we get hurt. So the second way that pride shows itself, point number three, pride makes plans without God. If you're following along in the book of James chapter 4, this is what helps us see that pride not only criticizes and judges, pride also makes plans without God. Verse 13 says, look here, you say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make profits. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Then it's gone. Have you ever been in a morning fog? Yeah? They're cool, aren't they? I don't know about you, but when I'm in a morning fog and it's, it's like really foggy, it's it kind of magical. It's, it's like you're in a different world. No, not for you? <laughs> no, yeah, glasses, people may be different. Take off your glasses, maybe. <laughs> but then all of a sudden the sun comes out, starts warming it up, and then it's gone. That's what the Bible is helping us understand is like our life. It's, it's like that morning fog that's just here, but then just it's gone. And just like the sun can warm up the land and the fog disappears, our, the life can be taken away by an accident or taken away by a, a sickness or taken away by when, or not even taken away, Jesus can come back real soon. It can go away. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring right? And so that's something the Bible tells us over and over again to help us understand because I don't know about you, we're in August 2018. I just blinked. You know what I'm saying? My, my, daughter's, my daughter's four and I, I blinked. I mean, it's, it's, it's so fast. And, and, and it goes by so quickly. And so instead of always focusing on the future, God wants us to focus on what he wants to do now. 
How many of you are like me where I'm always thinking about the future and the future plans to where it almost takes up so much of my thoughts that I don't even know what's going on right now? Yeah? But God is helping us say that He is the I Am. He is the great I Am. And He has important things He wants to do in your life right now. Maybe it will help you in the future, but what's more important, it's right now. His word for you now. So that you can be changed now. And so that you can be a blessing now. Right? And so for us to not be caught up constantly about tomorrow, because you don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring. But the people in your life, the things that are happening in your life, it's not just for the future, it's for the now. That He wants to do something very powerful in, if you're willing to, open your eyes and say, God, what are you doing? Because our short life right now in, on this earth is not to be lived by your tiny, tiny purposes that we make for ourselves. I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but in, in comparison to God's plans for you, your plans for your life are tiny, 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 and have no eternal impact on this life here or all of eternity. That's my plans, no matter how great they seem. Your short life, as short as it is here, is meant for God's great plan, to fulfill His eternal purposes. And He wants you to get that now. Get that now because sometimes we get very busy in the things that we do every single day and think that's, that's our life. But it's a very small story if you don't let God be present in it, if you're not listening to what He wants to do in it. Yeah? So how do we do that? Well, we just start inviting Him now. Invite Him into your work meetings, okay? When you go to a meeting at work, invite Him, be Willing to see what, what is God wanting to do? What he has, does he have to say as you're meeting? Invite him in your classroom. If you're studying or if you're teaching, invite him. Willingly. Get in that practice. You know, when you're typing on the computer, say, talk with him. And, and, and in those places, you can say, Jesus, I'm trusting you to, to work through this with me. Yeah? I, want to, I don't want to do anything by myself. I want to do everything with you. That's how we do it, just to be aware of him. And, and just to say, God, I, I, you know, right now I wasn't thinking, but what are you doing? What do you want to accomplish and do in this situation right now? I, I want to see what you're doing. Help me see that. Because I, I can't see it myself, God. I need you to show me. That's what we can say and do. But so many times in our day from Monday to Saturday, <laughs> We get to do what we want to do, and we get so on automatic autopilot. You know what I'm saying? Autopilot. We kind of do our routines. But it's in those small things when you're washing the dishes, talking with your kids, arguing with one another. You know? All you have to say is, God, I invite you right now. You're the great I am. It's not the battle future. It's right now. You want to do something important right now. Help me see what you're doing. And I want to join you in that together. That's how we invite him. It's not to go do something great. And here's the thing. We, the, the, the will of God, 
we make it to be so mysterious. What is God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? And we think it's some this big old, big old target out there. And we're trying to take a little dart and try to throw and say, is that God's will? Oh, I think I missed. It's not like that, my friends. Okay? God's will is simply what I just talked to you right now. Invite him into every part of your life and you follow him just a little bit here and you follow him a little bit here and say, oh, this is what you want to do. Okay, I'm going to do that, Lord. I'm going to do that, Lord. And soon enough, as you're walking with him, little by by little bit, you're going to look back and say, whoa, how did it get here? Yeah? And, and then in the big decisions, you already know how to follow him in his decisions. Yeah? Oh, Jesus' name, amen. And so that's how we, how we follow him. We're disciples of Christ. You know what that means? We follow, we're followers of him. But we've got to see where he's going. We've got to know where he's going. And it's not that Jesus has gone ahead of us way out there and he says, okay, come find me. It's like, oh, okay, Jesus, we're okay, where are you? No, a follower of Jesus, he's right here. We just follow him. And we go where he's going. And then we say, wow, where, where, where are we right now? How did I get here? That's, God will always lead you into the most marvelous, most amazing places if we're willing to follow him in the small things. And then the big things just become just normal things. Do you hear this? So that's how we follow God. So the last point is that it doesn't mean that we don't make our plans and we, don't, we can't make plans. No. Here's our last point. Make plans, yeah, but put God's will always above your own plans. Is that a simple message? Yeah, it's not hard. That, that's, but that's the truth. You can go ahead and make plans. You know, God is not a dictator. Do you know what a dictator is? It's somebody who controls, and the reason they control is because they have fear in their heart. If we are controlling, it's because we have fear, because we don't want to lose control, right? We believe that if everything doesn't go the way we want it to go, then, then we're in trouble or something. So God is not like that. He has nothing to gain for you behaving in the right way, okay? God doesn't want to control your life. He is God, you obeying him, not obeying him, is not going to make him not God. Like a dictator, if you don't obey a dictator, they're in, lo- they're in fear of losing their position. True? You not obeying God is not going to make him not God. He's perfect. Okay? So he's not here to control us. He is love. And he's indeed our king, but we also, he, he, he's our father. He's our, he's our dad. And so we have, just like a child with his dad, we have the freedom to go and learn and explore and, and discover things. We, we do. We have that freedom to, to go and do and, and perhaps make plans and talk with him. And, and, but we're not supposed to do it separated from him. We're supposed to do it with him. Yeah? Together. And then there's times when God will say, no, my child, don't go that way. Don't do that. That's, that's no-no. You know, as, as parents here, we're not, hopefully, I hope, not always telling our children what to do every second. That would be crazy-making for me. I, I just couldn't do that. They are able to play. I can say, go play here and do this. That's fine. 
Just don't, don't, don't stand on this glass table. <laughs> don't do that. That's a no-no because that will hurt you. Yeah? So, yes, we can make plans, but as the Word of God says, we can make our plans, but the Lord, He's the one who determines our steps. Let Him be the one to establish our steps. He's the one who directs our steps. He's the one who establishes them. He's the one who makes them secure. Okay? So when we make our plans, we make it with Him, talking with Him, seeking with Him. And, but there's things that we can just do. That's just life. But then if we're always inviting Him into everything that we're doing, we're able to listen when He says, don't do that. Or back off from there. Wait. But if we're not inviting him to the plans we're making and the things that we're doing, we just go forward and says, God, just bless my plans. (laughs) And he says, I'm not going to bless those plans. There's nothing to do with me. Yeah? And so we can make our plans, but the Lord, he's the one who determines our steps. He's the one who secures it. He's the one who directs them. And not only that, we experience the joy and the goodness of his provision in a very real and practical way for my life and my family's life and the people around me. It says in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first, not last, not second, not third. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. What is, what is, what is being provided? Well, it's everything. God will feed you directly. He will clothe you. He will give you what you need because he knows exactly what we need. But the only way we experience that is when we seek first his kingdom. In everything that we're doing, with all our plans, with everything that we're doing, we seek first his kingdom. And everything that's dear to your heart, God will be there to show you. I don't know about you, but I want to keep experiencing more and more of God's direct hand providing from me. I want to be clear that it's not me doing it. I want to know and be able to say, yeah, God is the one who's feeding us. God is the one clothing us. God is the one providing in these ways. God is the one loving me, guiding me, taking care of me, and everything that is dear to me. If that is the desire of your heart, then seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, not, not what you think is right. His righteousness and everything will be provided for you. So here's some questions for you. Have you been inviting God into your everyday activities? Yeah? Or have you been involved in your day-to-day routines and activities, Monday through Saturdays, as if he's not there at all? Just be honest. Yeah? Do you go about your day where you are actively open and aware of where God is and inviting him into your everyday? Or are you living like he's not there at all? Okay? That's something for us to consider. Second question, have you, been, have, you, have you been critical or have had judgment in your heart towards somebody or, or a group of people? If that's the case, are you willing then to obey God and, and instead of judging them, loving them, loving them? And in humility, considering them and valuing them above yourselves. Like I said, oftentimes a critical spirit comes from, of other people comes from a critical spirit of yourself. 
And if that's the case, then are you willing to believe and trust above all else, including your own opinion or the opinions that you heard from other people, all else about your worth and value from God, that he's established in Jesus Christ? Are you willing then to hear that and accept that and live from that? 